You're listening to another great message from Northside Community Church. Now we're, we're commencing a brand new series for June and it's entitled Finding Community. Now, you may have already picked that there's a deeper meaning to this. It's finding you in community, hence the big capital U. Our, our mission statement here at Northside is uh, building the community, that is the community of faith, that's us, to serve our community. That is the community that exists beyond the walls of this church, locally, nationally, internationally. And essentially, the big idea, and all good series and sermons have to have a big idea, the big idea of this series is this. Our effectiveness as a church in mission is commensurate with the number of people who find their role and purpose within the community of faith, finding community, more particularly finding you in community. Where do you fit in? Where do I fit in? So in this series, we're really seeking to answer the question, what does it take to be a really effective member of Northside? We don't have prescriptions for membership. You, know, you have to do this, 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 this. We simply ask, do you believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Saviour? If you believe that, you can become a member of this church. We don't have a whole long list of rules and regulations. But in this series, we are going to focus on what does it take to be a really effective member, a productive member, a member who's finding themselves within the community. We're going to cover worship, connection group, service, generosity. Today it's worship, the power of one hour. And uh, I've got a question for you. What's been your most inspiring, most powerful experience of worship. When was that happening? Now, some of you, your minds are racing. You're thinking, some of you have been, as I have, to some of the great cathedrals of the world. Might be thinking of some service you went to in a massive cathedral overseas. Maybe you're thinking of a Hillsong convention where you get the chance to sing and praise with thousands of other Christians and they are inspiring times. Because of this church's association with the Crystal Cathedral over many years, maybe some of you are thinking about a, a service you may have attended at the Crystal Cathedral. Uh, I've been there many, many times over the years. And in its heyday, when it was really at its uh, full strength, the, uh, the services there were just awe-inspiring. Uh, just sitting in that 3,000-seat cathedral for a start is, is a moving experience. Uh, there's not one solid panel either on the walls or the ceiling so you look up you see the sky you look out you see the the trees the buildings around it's just all glass and then at the beginning of the service the uh, 25 piece orchestra would fire up and then the uh, 60 to 80 voice choir would burst into song with uh, joyful joyful we adore thee and then down the center aisle the the fountains a whole bunch of fountains would suddenly burst into life just if you're sitting near one you'd get splashed sometimes uh and then these 20 meter glass doors behind the pulpit would open up allowing the breezes and the sunshine and occasional birds to come in and then dr schiller would stand and give that signature call to worship this is the day that god has made we will rejoice and be glad in it and i gotta tell you in in the heyday of the crystal cathedral I didn't know of any service anywhere that started in a more spine-tingling way. They do it every single week, several times a week. But, you know, I have to say, that's not where I've had my most inspiring experience of worship. No, no, no. I'm going to come back to that. You see, there's more to this question than we might think. 
and to truly explain, the, to fully explore rather, to fully explore what I mean here, we need to take a closer look at our reading from Colossians. Here's Paul, and he's describing the ideal church. He's urging the Christians in the Colossian church to embrace and to exhibit a long list of qualities and attributes and characteristics needed to make them a distinctive, highly effective Christian community, body of believers. Can I refresh your memory on that reading brought to us by Anne, at least a few verses? Verse 12, he says, you are the people of God. He loved you. He chose you for his own. So then you must clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Be tolerant with one another and forgive one another. When any, when, whenever any of you has a complaint against someone else, you must forgive one another just as the Lord has forgiven you. And to all these qualities add love, which binds all things together in perfect unity. Paul is clearly saying a church that exhibits these qualities is able to minister with great effectiveness. And then in verse 16, he, uh, he makes a, a kind of summary statement to kind of capture everything that he's been trying to say. And this is what he says in verse 16. Christ's message in all its richness must dwell or rather must, uh, what is it, must live in your hearts. Now, here's the centerpiece. Here's the very centerpiece of his challenge to the Colossians. It's about having an experience of Christ that is rich, that is strong, that is authentic, that is heartfelt. And then in the second half of verse 16, he hasn't finished yet. He says this, teach and instruct one another with all wisdom. Sing psalms, hymns and sacred songs. Sing to God with thanksgiving in your hearts. It's a clear reference to worship. You don't do those sort of things on your own. It's, you do it with others for the most part. So in a passage that talks about the ideal church, a united, loving, caring forgiving community of believers, Paul cites worship as one of the primary drivers in the establishment and the maintenance of harmony, unity and effectiveness. Worship, right at the centre of it all. Now surprisingly, this may surprise you, there are very few references to corporate worship in the New Testament. Does that surprise you? But from those we do have, it's clear that worship played a very important role in the life and the witness of the early church. One reference that's particularly important for us in Churches of Christ is Acts chapter 20, verse 7. Uh, we're speaking of the church in Ephesus. It says that on the first day of the week, they met for the fellowship meal, the, the communion. And when Churches of Christ were founded in the early 1800s in America, our founding fathers, the Campbells, in the absence of any other teaching on the frequency of communion, they decided to latch onto that verse. And that's why in Churches of Christ, all around the world, even to this day, we serve communion every Sunday, first day of the week. It's, it's one verse, but how many verses do you need? That was the thinking of the Campbells. In his letter to, the, to Timothy, his first letter, Paul sets out instructions on how to worship 
how the services should be conducted. And he does, he does that in Corinthians as well. And there's a special emphasis in Corinthians, of course, on, on the Lord's Supper. So in a church like Northside, it should be clear why we invest so much time and energy and resources into this thing we call worship. We have a staff member who spends a big part of his time, Michael Thomas, in, in this very area. Why? It's because we believe in the crucial importance of worship to the health and the well-being of the faith community. We want as many of our people here on any given Sunday to, uh, to experience an enriching, soul-strengthening experience of worship but in order for our worship to achieve that purpose, we need to be aware of a few things. And maybe I can hold your attention in the remainder of this sermon by stating that in answer to my original question, where have you experienced your most inspiring worship? My most powerful and inspirational experiences of worship have been right here at Northside. Now, friends, in saying that, I'm not saying because, that's because I believe that we have it all together and that we run services better than anywhere else and that our approach is superior. Not at all. That would be presumption in the extreme. No, my answer arises out of a, a carefully worked out theology of worship that I've developed over the years based on what I believe is in the Word of God. And uh, it includes the following, the following understanding of worship. Meaningful Enriching, soul-strengthening worship is a number of things. First of all, it's not about performance. It's about participation. Uh, Sam and I sat in the front row of a mega church in Los Angeles late last year uh, in a service that, that had thousands in the auditorium, thousands more in, uh, in uh, sort of breakout areas with big screens. And the two people leading worship, a male and a female, everybody in our group agreed that the quality of their singing was such that probably they would win uh, Australian Idol, The Voice, Australia's Got Talent, you, you name it. They probably, probably would have won that hands down. I mean, it was just, it was just amazing, the quality of their, of their singing. Stunning. An amazing performance. Now, I'm not suggesting that was their intention. Not at all. That, that was not their intention. But, but we didn't know them. And so it could have appeared that way to a guest. It was inspirational. It was exciting. But it was nothing like sitting in a worship service like this where we know who's up the front. We know them by name. We're journeying with them. We know the people we're sitting with or we're getting to know them. We're all journeying together. We're all participating in an expression of praise and thanksgiving and celebration arising out of what's currently happening in the life of the church. Arising out of what's currently happening within our own lives and what God is doing in our midst. In that sense, it's not about emotion. It's about devotion. Now, of course, there's emotion involved in worship. And I've been to services, as you have, which have stirred my emotions like you wouldn't believe. But if we expect, if we expect to receive an emotional high every time we worship, if we become excessively dependent on services we're attending to provide us with a massive spiritual shot in the arm, 
there are going to be times when we're probably going to be disappointed. Because our participation in worship is not intended, or rather it's intended to be an expression of our devotion and our thanksgiving to God. It's not like entry into some spiritual Disneyland. That, that's, not, that's not real worship. I never cease to give thanks to God, but from my perspective, our experiences of worship here do impact the senses and they stir our emotions. And we achieve this with an emphasis on excellence. That's one of the ways we achieve it. Excellence and seamlessness. Why? To reduce the possibility of distractions and impediments to the movement of God's spirit. That's why we do it. I've been in services where sloppy preparation and sloppy presentation jars. And that interferes with the movement of God's spirit. Whereas if, it's, if the quest is for excellence and seamlessness, that possibility is greatly reduced. you get the thinking there? Linked to this point is the fact that meaningful and enriching worship is not about my needs being met. It's about my needs being identified. My needs and yours being revealed and us being willing to allow God to meet those needs. When Paul was writing to the Corinthians, first letter, chapter 11, verse 28, he said we should examine ourselves before we take the bread and the wine. Yeah, let a person examine themselves and then let them eat. And so in other words, corporate, corporate worship provides a unique opportunity for reflection and for self-analysis. And that's an important part of anybody's spiritual growth and development. Yeah, how are we traveling? What are my needs? What are my points of vulnerability? What are the things I'm yet to surrender to God? When that's our desire, we move beyond the need to have things in the service done our way. We move beyond our pet little likes and dislikes and we, we see the whole event as an opportunity to get real with God. Here's something else. Worship is not about feeling good. It's about feeling part of. It's about a sense of belonging. Why are the services here my favourite? Why are they the ones I find most inspirational? As were the ones in my last church and the church before that. Why is that? Because this is my church home. This is your church home. This is where I love and on a good day am loved. <laughs> it's the same for you. Here's where I see lives changed. Here's where I see people baptised into Christ. Here's where people see receive Christ. Here where people, here's where people are prayed over. Here's where people are anointed. Here's where I can look out on a group of people and, and look, look at faces with whom I've laughed, with whom I've cried. I mean, you just don't get that when you're in a, a strange place, no matter, how, no matter how inspirational it might be and no matter how good it may make you feel for a short time. You just don't get that. No prizes for guessing. The next point, meaningful, soul-strengthening worship is not about what I can get. It's about what I can give. You know, we can revolutionise our enjoyment of worship and celebration when we adopt this attitude when we approach each service with oh will I like not not with not with oh will I like the person who's leading today or who's preaching or uh 
Have they chosen my favourite songs? Or uh, will my preferred seat be available? I don't think that's quite an issue here at Northside. (laughs) But when Bev and I arrived in Sydney, uh, before we started ministry here, we had about six or eight weeks of leave owing to us. And we took that and we made the decision we would go to different churches of Christ uh, on any given Sunday because we knew that once we started here, we would never do that. So I remember going to a church, and I won't name the church because your auntie or uncle probably goes there. And uh, we, we got there quite early. Punctuality is something I do stress. Um, so we got there quite early, and the uh, place was less than half full with five minutes to go. We're just sitting there waiting pensively for the service, and, 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 and a lady came up to me. She said, excuse me, you're sitting in our seats. And you can check with Bevy. This happened. Bevy, yep, she's there. Um, and uh, I said, oh, oh I'm, I'm sorry, you're on your own. Oh, yes, but my friend will be arriving shortly. We, we always sit here. Now, look, it didn't worry us. But, like, if, you, if you're there a little bit tentative and a little bit nervous and wondering what you're doing there, that could be quite, you know. Well, it, it kind of made us smile. It wasn't anything that made us smile in that six-week period, I've got to tell you. But we haven't got time for that. Um, <laughs> coming to worship with a giving attitude involves a number of things it involves making the decision to be in church during the week how does that grab you making the decision by about thursday we're going to be in church this week that then saves you from a more tempting offer on saturday seriously Or, or, or how you might feel when you wake up now i'm allowing for health and stuff but like you know mm, it's a bit dull mm, don't think so I mean like if you've made the decision I'm going to be with my my brothers and sisters on Sunday if you've made that by about Thursday it makes it that much easier being punctual and supportive of our ministry team our worship team praying along with the prayers you know um, I know people who look up the passage during the week and read it off the internet, they get the passage and they read it, prepare for the sermon. Having an openness of heart as to what God may say to you and through you. Friends, our most meaningful and enriching, soul-strengthening experiences of worship can be, should be, right here. Because worship is not something we merely observe or attend. It's, it's what happens arising out of what God is doing among us. It's part of the life blood of our church well here's my final word it's to me it's to all of us and it's really a challenge a challenge to think about the importance of worship in a fresh way as we discover our place in this community as we experience the power of one hour it's this meaningful enriching soul strengthening worship is not about how often can i afford to attend it's really about how often can i afford not to attend.